A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And a very warm welcome to the Lizelle Wellbeing Show. Now, this week I am joined by Peter Voliban, a forester and author of best-selling books, The Hidden Life of Trees, The Inner Life of Animals, and his latest book, The Heartbeat of Trees: What They Feel, How They Communicate, Discoveries from a Secret World. Well, when compared with trees, we are relative newcomers to this planet. While humans may have been around for 300,000 years, scientists estimate that there have been trees on Earth for perhaps 3 million years. Well, Peter is going to be here to tell us more about our ancient neighbours, uncover their secret social behaviours, and explore what the research says about whether they can hear, feel, sleep, and even store memories. And from improved immunity to better heart and mental health, we'll also be diving into the well-being benefits that spending a little time in our local park or forest or even a single tree in the garden can offer us. It really is a fascinating listen, and I do hope it will encourage all of us to get out this weekend and go and find just a small bit of green space or bigger to enjoy. And don't forget that if you'd like to watch our chat today, the video podcast is available to view on YouTube on the Lizelle Wellbeing channel. And as always, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Instagram, perhaps after the show. So without Without further ado, let's welcome Peter. So Peter, a very warm welcome on the podcast. Thank you for joining us from the forests of Germany. Is that right? That's right. I'm uh, here in the old Forester House, which is uh, surrounded by trees. I'm looking at an old birch tree, very big one, but uh, there are 80 other trees surrounding me. Wow, well, very appropriate. And, you know, I have to ask, what is it about trees? Where did your early fascination begin? Um, my early fascination was about nature, not about trees. Um, I was more interested in animals like spiders, frogs, or uh, water turtles, <laughs> and, and animals like that. And yeah, because, okay, trees that, that were surrounding environment, but uh, more interesting were animals. Or uh, when it comes to tree, the firewood, of course, because we, we made illegal fire in the forest as children. <laughs> Oh, really? So did you grow up in a forest environment then? Um, it was a small town uh, outside the uh, then capital Bonn, 
which, which was the former capital of Germany. And my father was working in the financial ministry. And uh, so we were in a little town outside. Uh, and uh, I went with my bicycle out in the forest or to lakes and, and um, doing things like that, but not um, concerning trees. Right. But then you ended up working in forestry. Is that right? Yeah. Um, after school, I uh, thought about studying biology. And um, then uh, I, I read an article in the newspaper that the German Forest Commission were searching for students. I said, okay, Forrester, uh, that's some, someone like, like, let's say, like an ant, Lord of the Rings, a tree keeper. And I thought, yeah, that, that may be cool. And then I started <laughs> studying forestry. But afterwards, it turned out that a forester is a little bit more like a tree butcher. So is that kind of like tree surgery? Is it, is it a lot to do with felling trees rather than conserving them? Or, or does a forester do both? Yeah, exactly. A forester should, concerning to the German laws, <clears throat> keep the forest, um, 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 develop them to a more uh, environmentally friendly spot. But in reality, it turned out that a forester is a timber producer, which is okay. But uh, but it shouldn't be the main focus of of the everyday life as a forester. But but meanwhile in Germany it's all about big machines, the planting from for new conifer plantations. Uh, yeah, it's it's about timber business, and that's not what I thought what a forester should do. No. Well, when did you start to think about trees differently then? Because you went from somebody who was involved in kind of, you know, chopping them down and, and turning them into, into wood, firewood. And now your work is so extraordinarily different. I mean, it could not be more opposite, could it? What, what, what was your journey that made you look at trees in such a different way? Um, there are two um, points where, where things changed for me. Um, the first um, was the first year out as uh, a new forester, and um, I wondered what was I'm what, what uh, am I doing there? What for I, should I fell fell all uh, beech trees, for example? I, we was told at university that it is good for the forest, and the forest gets healthier the more timber you harvest, which of course is crazy. I believe that at that time. But when I came out in the forest, I thought, hmm, there's something wrong. And uh, then I traveled around um, to forest enterprise, which um, manage forests environmentally friendly. And I saw, ah, okay, it's working without clear cuts, without um, chemicals, without big machines. And um, that was one point when I changed management here. And the second was... Um, I founded a burial forest where people can be buried in urns and trees are somewhat like um, a living headstone. And uh, the people that would, which I guide through this forest, uh, they said, ah, look at this tree. It's bended like like my life. It was, wasn't all, also always straight. And I, as a forester, at, at first thought, hmm, no, that's an ugly tree because it isn't straight. It's, it's, it's not expensive timber. Uh, I just uh, thought about trees like ending in sawmills. And together with those people uh, visiting this burial forest, I changed my uh, uh, view on forest again. And then I discovered things. As a forester, you usually you don't uh, look uh, onto the ground. You... Uh, you look at the trunks, you look in the crown of the trees, but not on the ground. And together with the people, I I discovered more and more wonders of the forest. For example, this old stump 
the tree has been felled, estimated uh, 400 or 500 years ago, and this stump was still living. And then I asked myself, hmm, how is it possible without any green leaf that this stump survives because it burns sugar in the cells, it's, uh, it has, um, it, when, when, it's, when it's living, it's, it needs energy, where does it come from? And then we found the solution that, that were the surrounding trees supporting this old stump. And then I realized, okay, as a forester, I was told that all trees compete. And I, as, as a forester, I'm the referee and I decide which one has to go. And in reality, it turned out, no, there is no competition. There's cooperation. That's something completely different. That is extraordinary because in your book, which I have to say is the most lovely read, I highly, highly recommend it, you describe trees as social creatures. So can you expand here on, on how, how trees are, are social with, with each other? Yeah, um, the first question perhaps is uh, why should trees be social? Because um, many lay persons, like even me as a studied forester, uh, uh, thought that trees uh, compete for a space, for light, for water, and so on. And um, but uh, trees have other needs. They need a cool climate. They need enough rain, and they can create their own climate. That's really crazy. And we have uh, the latest research on forests in Europe that shows that intact old uh, broadleaf tree forest. Uh, can cool down the landscape more than 10 degrees in, on hot summer days. Then they can create more uh, thunderstorms and a lot more rain. So they create their own climate. That's very important concerning climate change. But just as long as we let them undisturbed. And uh, when when you and and therefore trees have uh, are much interested in big communities and therefore they help. Uh, weakened, um, let's say, companions they uh, or family members. Uh, they, they try to keep everyone as healthy as possible so that they form big communities. So they, they benefit from this, like we benefit, have benefits from the human society. And uh, therefore, they try to keep every tree as long as possible alive. So how would they do this then? If you've got individual trees planted in their own spots, okay, that's kind of next to each other, they're near, but how, how would they physically be able to help each other? Um, they grew their roots together. With the root tips, they? they are able to judge uh, whether the neighboring tree, they do, yeah. Uh, that's long known. That's very long known. As a young forester, um, he came into contact with this knowledge, for example, but on, on a sad way. Uh, till that time, um, uh, something like Agent Orange was sprayed over German forests to get rid of beech and oak trees because foresters, modern foresters, wanted to have uh, conifer plantations. No. Uh, oh, is that, is that heartbreaking yeah. to hear that? <laughs> yeah. It's heartbreaking to hear that, and we, we see we, we see it still to, uh, uh, up today. For example, in, in uh, Western Canada. Uh, where the government says, no, we don't want to have too much birches and, and uh, ashes and whatsoever. We want to have hemlock fir and Douglas fir and, and trees like that. So we were taught, uh, and, and you can poison tree uh, trees by helicopter spraying, or which is unhealthy for people too. Um, and therefore, there was another method to, to poison them individually. Um, um, and... Um, there we were taught when you poison a tree, 
because trees share everything, uh, you poison also the neighboring trees. And that was my first knowledge about how trees cooperate on a very sad way, uh, of course. But it, it, what I want to say is that's long known, that trees are uh, cooperating by growing their root system together uh, into each other. So they are physically connected and they are able to judge, is it the same tree species? Because they don't connect, uh, a beech tree, for example, uh, doesn't connect with an oak tree. Does it know? Um, they, they know, but they... Yeah, they even they even know. Ah, that's my family member, and there's a stronger connection. Really? So what? So if if an oak tree has grown from a, an acorn, you know that then the neighbouring tree that's grown from this, the, the same tree will have more a stronger connection with that one, will it? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and and we think we think, huh? That's crazy. How can uh, trees uh, uh, figure out if if this is a family member? But uh, that's. When when we look at animals, we we think okay, that's no problem because they see it, they they smell it, they hear it, and trees are able uh, able to taste, to smell, to hear, perhaps even to see. We don't know that exactly. So uh, why shouldn't they figure out? Because it because it, it's it's uh, an advantage to to realize ah, it's a family member. I tell you something from Switzerland. Uh, uh, Switzerland is researchers found out in a laboratory. With, with plants in pots, that those plants are able to visually realize uh, if the neighboring plant is a family member, and then they bring their leaves a little bit away so that the neighboring plant gets more sunlight. So uh, there's more and more evidence that plants are able to even to see if this is a family member. That is just the most extraordinary thing. I mean, your book is called The Heartbeat of Trees. You know, you're, you're you're almost painting them into some kind of mammalian creature. Do, do trees really have some kind of heartbeat? What what do you mean by that? Um, yeah, um, uh, then I have to play, uh, explain the research on which uh, this is based. Uh, there were uh, three scientists from Austria, uh, Finland, and Hungary, um, and they tried to to find out uh, more about the sleeping behavior of trees, which sounds also crazy, but but many, many plants have a sleeping behavior. For example, when you look in your garden, the flowers, mm. they, they close their yeah, blossoms yeah, at nighttime. That's a sleeping behavior. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So um, they, they, they made laser scans from birch tree and other trees, and they found out uh, in windstill nights that they let hang their branches a little bit, around about 10 centimeters or so. And uh, with the sunrise, the branches come up. And but on the other hand, the the uh, water pressure in the trunk rises at night times, so the branches should rise too. But they they go down for what reason we don't know. And by the way, they found out that the trunks shrinks a little bit, just about zero point whatsoever millimeter, very very small amount, and expand in a rhythm of three to four hours. And no. because no one knows today how the water comes up from the roots to the crown, uh, that is a first evidence that there's somewhat like a heartbeat of trees. Yes. And I love this discovery. That's amazing, like a bark beat almost. You've got this sort of just almost pumping fluid action, that, that rhythmic action. Isn't that extraordinary that, you know, these, these extraordinary things that have been growing around us for you know, since the beginning of time, we're just beginning to discover their inner secrets, if you like. 
Uh, many biologists say that the, the time age of discovery uh, is just to begin. Um, so, so many, many things are unexplored. And um, we often think that, that um, plants are not very much more than green stones. And, um, but they are very much closer to animals than we thought. And I don't know if you don't know the main difference between animals and plants. Do you, do you know the main difference? There are many differences, but the main difference. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't know. Is it cognitive function <laughs> or the ability to move and run away? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, for example, the, the um, biggest buildings from, from beings on Earth made by animals uh, is the Great Barrier Reef. For example, and that are corals which are not able to move, like plants. They are sitting there like plants. So okay, that's not yeah. the main difference. Um, uh, and many people don't know it or uh, are not aware of it. The main difference is photosynthesis. Plants are able to to create their own food. That's the main difference, and therefore we regard, regard them less worth. That's crazy. They're cleverer than than we are if they can be self-sustaining. Uh, yeah, perhaps yeah, I, I'm not sure if they are. Perhaps they are clever. I don't know. Um, but uh, they have they have abilities we don't have. And, and uh, when we have a ranking in nature, plants should rank higher because without plants we wouldn't be here. That's so true. Now you mentioned in the book that trees can store memories and and that they may even be able to pass memories on to their offspring. And how how does that work? Is that to kind of improve their survival chances? Yeah, uh, we know that that um, seedlings around their mother trees um, behave in the same way. For example, when it comes to a severe drought that we had in Germany the last uh, three summers, uh, then then trees change um, their water management for the rest of their life. That means that they have a memory that they remember the, this these hard summers, these heavy droughts, and they change it. And you can see their seedlings change it, change it too. Without a mother tree, they would they have to learn it the hard way on themselves. And um, but we know also that they can pass their memories, the the old trees, through epigenetic processes. And we know that we are doing the same. For example, that that uh, um, afterward generations also suffer from psychological uh, traumata uh, by uh, epigenetical uh, um, things. So that 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 means that. Memories can be passed to the next generation uh, through the genes. And that's exactly what trees do. They are learning, they have memories, and they give those new things to the next generation. So that's a good, um, good, that are good news because that means that the, the trees can learn to deal with climate change and that the next generation of trees uh, is more resilient. And what, what we see here in Germany, for example, is that German foresters they cut those trees, which seems to be weakened. I would say they are just learning. Let them learn. But uh, they they are they cut them. They clear cut the the area, and then afterwards they replant a plantation with new trees, which are uh, not not told to how to behave in in dry summer. So we we have the same problem in the future again. And would you, when you would leave up. Uh, the learning process to the trees, we will see much faster, resilient new forest. That's so interesting. I'd never thought about that. That's a different way, I guess, of looking at how plants adapt to change. 
you know, to actually say, well, actually they're adapting because they have their own internal memory system and that's what they're passing on to their offspring. It, it, I mean, maybe it thinks a bit of kind of your anthropomorphized, morph, I can't say the word, anthropomorphizing trees. Do you think there's a danger of that or do you think we should actually be doing more of that? Uh, I think we should do more of that because what, what does it mean to anthropomorphize the things? Uh, I've, I've learned this word because I've, I've uh, many times I've been confronted with this. Okay. <laughs> but I think, yeah, right. We need more of this because when, when you put all those emotional things, those comparisons out of uh, text, then you have a, um, a text full of technical terms, uh, the scientific um, language no one understands. Uh, when 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 we uh, want to be uh, fair to the trees, we would have to explain it in treeish, <laughs> but I'm not able to talk in treeish, so uh, tree I have to use uh, yeah human language. And human language yeah. is full of emotions. Uh, for example, remember or imagine you would read a novel without emotional words. Yeah, no one would like to read it. It wouldn't be so. there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I know that you, you have talked about research, which was really interesting. Um, I'm probably not going to pronounce this correctly, but it's the Arabidopsis tree which uh, revealed some clues that trees are actually able to hear. Is, is that right? Yeah, um, uh, trees may be able to hear. Um, the problem is that in, in most cases, uh, trees are too big for um, um, laboratories. Uh, and so many experiments are made with other plants. Uh, but um, yeah, there is strong evidence that they're able to hear with their roots, for example, uh, where the water flows, that right. makes sense. Because uh, in the root tips, there are brainiac structures. There, we, we think there's a strong evidence that that is that is the brain of the tree. 
and uh, mm. the root tips are able to hear, ah, there's the water and we have to grow in this direction um, because water is the, the, the main resource of the tree. That's, that's uh, even more necessary than, than direct sunlight, for example. So it? it makes sense um, if we think about that trees are more than 300 million years on Earth that they have developed a, a system wow. to detect where water flows. Yeah. Is it true that when we think about the tree roots, that the tree roots sort of mirror the, the size and shape and scale of the upper visible portion of the tree? Or did no, I just read that true. somewhere? And, and it, It's not true. OK. <laughs> no, no, it's not true. Um, and, and we ask these questions very often to forest students and they say exactly the same. And they say, wow, I think there should be should be some other facts uh, being told at university because you can see it yourself if you have a garden. Uh, you can sometimes see some tree roots uh, growing through the, the grass because they become thicker and thicker uh, over the years, like the trunk. Yeah. And uh, so at, at um, some point, they're, they're coming out of the grass. And you see, ah, that are the roots from this tree because they have the, the same bark. And you can judge, ah, that, that's from the birch tree, that's from, we have here Douglas fir, for example, or an apple tree or whatsoever. And um, then you see that the the, the root system is at minimum twice as, as big in diameter than the crown. In, in some cases, even much, much bigger. Uh, Eston trees, for example, um, have a very, very big root system. We have one here um, at the uh, street uh, to the next village. And uh, we measured it out with uh, students. And the crown of this tree is, let's say, around about 150 uh, square meters. And the root system is around about 3,000 square meters uh, because you can see it from the little shoots. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing big. And, and you can see it from the little shoots coming out of the root system. That's very easy to detect an, an, an aspen uh, root system because you have all, all those little shoots with the, with the aspen leaves. And so you can judge it very clearly that, that this is from the Eston root system. Wow, so I will never, never look at trees in the same way. You know, if you can imagine going into a park, I mean, we, you know, we're fortunate in London, we have lots of really beautiful parks that were planted. The Victorians were very much into their trees. And just to think of that extraordinary network that must be covering, you know, the yeah. entire grassed area where all these trees are then connecting uh, under the ground with this yeah. hidden this whole hidden society. I mean, for us, are we able to communicate with trees? You know, we've established that they can communicate with each other, but as we, as humans, can we communicate in some way with them? I don't think it's, many things are not proven, so I'm really careful um, in what I'm saying, but um, I think uh, that there's not a real communication with, which means in both ways, you ask a question, getting an answer in this way, but you can uh, participate on tree communication. For example, uh, on a hot summer day, when you walk uh, through a conifer forest, uh, you, you smell... Uh, uh, so those those gases, which I think it smells like a holiday in Spain. We think, ah, wow, yes. that's really wonderful. And in reality, yeah. that uh, is stress signaling uh, between trees. They are warning each other from insect attacks or from dry weather or whatsoever. Oh, really? And we think, wow, how wonderful it smells here. Oh, no. Um, on the other hand, yeah, sorry for that, but there, but there are also uh, good smells for, for the trees because when you're in an intact forest, for example, an oak or beech or, or whatsoever uh, deciduous forest, uh, 
then perhaps you don't smell it conscious, but um, your blood pressure sinks when you're in an intact forest, which feels well, which is uh, healthy, then your blood pressure sinks significantly in, in, a, in a healthy range, of course. And uh, what, what you say conscious uh, is, wow, it's nice here, I'm relaxing. And uh, so your, your, your body corresponds to the tree communication, but not in the way that the trees say, wow, nice to see you, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that your body say, wow, that's a nice place, because it makes sense. Uh, our ancestors, let's say uh, 10,000 years ago, they need to feel uh, uh, with their instincts, this is a good place to settle. And good place to settle means a stable ecosystem um, with, with which is intact, uh, rich in animal life. And therefore, you need uh, trees which which are healthy, which can become very old, and and you can smell this unconscious. But your body is reacting, and you say, "Wow, wonderful!" Yeah, our, our body instinctively knows it. And those sorts of forests, then, that we should be seeking out—they're filled with oak and birch is there a particular type of forest if we want to get these amazing feelings of well-being that we should be heading for um but it mustn't necessarily uh, be a, for a whole forest it uh, can also be a single tree a single oak tree in the next city park or so i think yeah and important is um is the tree okay and uh what's not okay for example what i have also seen in, in uh England and Scotland, those um, Sitka spruce plantations, for example, uh, which are used for timber production. Uh, those plantations, uh, in those plantations, uh, the trees are suffering. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't uh, do, uh, let's say, a forest bath. Um, it, it's a new expression for things like that, forest bathing, but you can do it under a tree that means just relaxing without a purpose. Um, uh, and uh, it, you, you need a healthy tree. It can be the apple tree in your garden that can, and when you want to have more or a better effect, then you uh, can go out in oak or beech or any native tree forest. Native to wherever you are, so something that's naturally happy in its environment. Exactly, and that's that's differing. For example, in the, in the higher parts of Scotland, there, there you will find more birch trees. For example, in the in the lower parts of England, there's there's oak and beech and uh, maple and ash and so on. Um, or, or at the riverside, you have you have poplar and willows, and they are all happy there. And that's uh, the main thing. Happy trees make make a good blood pressure. <laughs> make, make happy people that we can just literally head out. We don't even have to go and find a forest, that we can just head out to find a happy tree, take your, your book or your magazine or something, or just, you know, some, some switch off and, and yeah. enjoy the vibes. Do you think picking up on, on that atmosphere and lowering the blood pressure that you talk about, does that come from the gut? Because we know that so many of our neurotransmitters are affecting our mood and emotion through the gut. Is there a gut tree connection? Uh, I don't know, and I think in, in many many uh, cases, uh, forest scientists have to say I don't know. It's possible because we know that our gut uh, can smell, uh, but we know also other things from our gut. For example, um, you have a, a whole ecosystem in your body, which trees also have. Uh, meanwhile, biologists talk about holobionts, that means a complete ecosystem filled of. Uh, thousands of different species. Um, uh, for example, in our guts, there are bacteria which are not connected to the gut and they produce their own hormones to influence your brain. 
that are the bacteria in your gut. It's not the gut. We know that we are talking about a gut brain. That's that's one thing. But the gut belongs to your belongs to your body. And the bacteria in the gut, they have their own strategies and they influence your brain and what you're doing, your mood, for example, uh, because they are they are producing uh, hormones. So. Uh, and what the, the tree communication, how the tree communication is influencing our body system, um, that's not known. If it is the no over the nose to the brain or over the nose to our guts to, or to the bacteria and back to our brain, we don't know that. But it's the, the only thing is we can measure sinking blood pressure. But just to say that, I love the idea that it's the other way around. Um, the, our blood pressure is on a normal level out in the forest or under a happy tree. And when we go into a house, into an office, uh, into the streets, then it's rising. Yeah. And presumably the knock-on effect of that is also going to have an improvement on our immune system and helping to keep us well and healthy. I think that's become front of mind for so many of us during the last 18 months, especially. And are, are scientists looking at the immune system? Has there been any kind of markers studied on that? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not a doctor, but um, what we know that those killer cells that, that uh, act against cancer cells, um, the, the amount is rising uh, when, you're, when you're in the forest. So uh, there's also a di direct uh, um, uh, effect on, on your really? health. And yeah, trees can also suffer from similar things uh, than COVID-19. So they have also virus no. diseases which uh, are coming from global trade. Yeah, no one, no one looks at this because we say tree, a tree, COVID-19. Okay, it was a tree pandemic. Uh, there, there are thousands of viruses um, brought in by global trade, and we don't know so far how trees are dealing with it. But we know that trees can be become sick. Uh, the Humboldt University in Germany, for example, is doing research on that. Uh, we, we always concentrate on ourselves, which is okay during a pandemic, um, of course. Um, I'm also happy that we, we are now mostly uh, done with that. But um, trees deal also, also with problems like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, here in the UK, particularly, I'm down on a farm in the West Country, and you know we've had real issues with things like ash dieback. And it's just devastating to see the, the loss of certain species of trees, which may be lost to, to, to a country forever, potentially. I mean, are, are trees really endangered? We tend to think of endangered species being animals. But what, what does the future health look like for, for our trees on, on this planet? Yeah, it's getting worse, of course, but uh, trees can can deal also with, uh, with uh, dangers like that. For example, the ash dieback, that's a little fungi uh, causing this, brought from Asia, wheresoever. Um, and the the thing is that around about 5 to 10% of the ashes um, can deal with this uh, disease and can recover. But we know uh, not in advance which ash that will be. And uh, what we see here, I don't know how it is in, in Britain, uh, mo most foresters uh, cut down those ashes before they are going to rot because it's, the, the, the timber is more worth when the, when the tree is still, let's say, fresh. Uh, but by this way, you won't found, find out which, which of the ashes are able to deal with this infection. And uh, what we do here in our forest range is we keep our hands uh, uh, out of the forest, 
we say let's uh, let's struggle uh, let's do the ashes the struggle uh, themselves and we find more more and more ashes which are healthy which recover and those seedlings can deal with those uh, this ash dieback so uh, the only problem with uh, diseases like this and not in every case but in many cases is that we always weaken the forest more so that the then the whole population may break down yeah i mean it comes back to natural immunity doesn't it and and allowing the species there to to recover so that they're better able to to defeat these diseases otherwise if you take them all out and the ones that are left are weakened we're going to have no ash trees left at all globally because the the disease will have won so that's uh, yeah gosh interesting interesting parallel for our times i have to say when we look at things like climate change obviously there's a lot of discussion of the destruction of the amazon rainforest losing our trees trees being described as the lungs of the planet you know from your perspective what role do trees play in climate change and in in helping our way out of this it's an interesting question uh because uh, in the moment, uh, uh, forests are, for us, they are not just worse um, the way they are for their biodiversity. I, I like the comparison to a big cathedral, which is also, which is also no monetary value. And, uh, but of course, we, we need some, some economic markers uh, to get it faster, uh, the protection. And then we concentrate on carbon storage, which is wrong. Uh, we see it in the Amazon rainforest. Meanwhile, there there's more gassing out of CO2 than than uh, than storage. And uh, but the 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 uh, main function of forest is uh, the way they want to live. They want to cool down themselves. They want to have more rain clouds over them. And there's strong evidence that over such forests, there's a lot of uh, more rain. Uh, the temperature, as I said, uh, around about 10 degrees lower than the surrounding open land. And uh, the forests don't do that for us. I think, I'm not sure if they have already recognized that we are here on this planet, <laughs> because it's, it's just <laughs> 300,000 years. <laughs> yeah, so trees are very slow, but uh, they are doing that for themselves. They create their own climate. And when we want to benefit from this, we have to uh, reinstall intact resi resilient forest and um as i know um if i'm right uh in, in britain there's a, a new program to to get bigger forest big discussion which tree species uh one should take okay and i, I can recommend only uh try to to um reinstall native forests um with a common uh, tree species which used to be there because um when they are planted in plantations, then even oaks and beech trees will die from droughts or, or rising temperatures. But in intact forests, the outer temperature is not that important. It's important how the, the complete system cool itself down. And cities uh, laying around or near or surrounded by such forests can become very much cooler um, and, and benefit from those uh, forests. That's fascinating. What do you mean by an intact forest? Intact forest, uh, which which uh, is completely resilient, which is mostly untouched. That's the big question uh, for forestry for the next decades. How many timber uh, may we take out before this system breaks down? And um, uh, intact means that all functions work, 
for example, you need a lot of dead wood, uh, which is working like a sponge and storing water and cooling uh, also in hot summer days. We've seen that here in Germany after three months of drought that the big uh, trunks, dead trunks, are still full of water, and it's it's like um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a cooling function, and uh, we know that when you have intact soil, and that's also very important. Um, and when when you, for example, when you drive with big machines on on uh, forest soil, it will be compressed, and the the water storage goes down to five percent, and that's almost nothing left uh, from from rainfalls. The rainfalls flow over the ground into the next river and uh, cause problems for for the next cities, and the forest. Uh, but the forest need the storage of water, and as long as you don't disturb the this ground storage by uh, driving with big machines. Uh, the, you, the the forests are able to store the winter rain for for the summer. So it's not so important how much uh, rain will uh, fall in summertime, but how much uh, will be stored from the wintertime rain. It's stored. Honestly, Peter, it's so fascinating. I can't let you go without asking you to name just a few of your favorite forests, perhaps, so that we might think in the future when we're able to travel more widely. Uh, have you got favorites on your list that you could perhaps pass on to us that we might like to visit? Yeah, there, there are many, many wonderful forests on, on Earth. Um, I've not been to a tropical forest, so I just can tell you something about the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, for example, the Romanian um, beach forest, primeval beach forest. There you, you get a little um, um, imagination how um, Great Britain, how Western or Central Europe once looked like. And I think that's very important to see what we have lost. Because uh, when we want to restore something, we should have an Im imagination uh, what it should look like. And so I, I would recommend this forest. You can go to Bielowija in um, eastern Poland. Of course, uh, wonderful forest in Germany. What I love in uh, Britain, you have not the biggest forest in Europe, <laughs> of course, but you have wonderful single trees all over the landscape, much more than I think every other yes, country in do. Germany, uh, in, in Europe. And that's very important to have also single trees wherever it is possible. Gosh, that's really interesting. On, on my farm, I do have some fields that have, you know, one or two single beautiful majestic oak trees standing. And I always think yeah. they look a bit lonely and, and, you know, ought to have some friends planted nearby. But you're saying that they're important to have some single trees just standing on their own? Um, uh, for the trees, it would be better to have more, of course. But um, oaks are are able to stand on their own, and if you want to have uh, more, then it would be easy to fence a little uh, place around this oak in, so they ca the 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 old oak can grow its own seedlings. Uh, so you will have a little forest, and that's a new movement for cities to create tiny forests, little nature spots. Oh, I love that. Oh, Peter, honestly, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so very much for sharing. I hope that everybody is incredibly heartened and uplifted. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And encouraged by everything that, that we've talked about. Your book, The Heartbeat of Trees, is, is just lovely. Highly recommended. And thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. This was really a pleasure to talk to you. And that is it for today's episode. Huge thanks to Peter. And as always, you will find all the links and the resources that we mentioned over on lizardwellbeing.com. And there you can sign up for the free weekly newsletter that comes out every Friday, filled with weekly tips for living well. And huge thanks to all of you who have left us such lovely reviews, especially on iTunes. It really does help others to find the show. And my small but mighty team here are extremely grateful. Thank you. So until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. Our Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Liz Earle, with production by Amaryllis Earle and Harry Trevithick at Heart Dialogue, with thanks to my producer, Ellie Smith, and guest booker, Millie de la Morinière.